We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Andy Lou, got a special guest this week. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. We're going to get to people's mailbag questions later. Um, honestly, I don't know if you feel like this, but for me, this is like the most annoying time of the season in the NBA. And it's just, it's dog days. You know, they're halfway through the season. Everyone's trying to get to the all-star break. Efforts up and down. And then you get trade rumors now, but we're not actually to the deadline. So all these rumors are kind of BS. Like the Spurs are like, we want two firsts for Pirtle. Like, come on, you know? So it's just kind of like, I'm a little over it. And you know what? I'm not over, which is why we have a special guest. Yes. Yes. To discuss the 49ers who are not in the dog days and who are having just a much better time than the Warriors right now. I got Jason Aponte. Aponte, how you doing, my man? I'm good, Sam. Andy, thank you guys for having me. This is an exciting time for 49ers fans. There's a, a team that they really dislike. Well, depending on your age group, I'm not going to out myself and how, how old I am, but this is a big game now for 49ers fans. We're we're same age group, and uh, and yeah, I, I, I grew up on uh, my dad just throwing shit at the TV when the Cowboys would beat the Niners in the early 90s. Just the earliest childhood memories. He's going to be so mad I said that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Am I uh am I insane for just like not giving the Cowboys a chance this weekend? Like Ooh, I'm so, I, like the, hey. like look, you may feel differently than me, but I I'm so confident the Niners going to win that I'm now second guessing myself because I'm wow. like is it too cocky? Well, all right. So this week I've kind of had to not wrangle fans in, but I I have to like give them this message and this is the best message. Realize that your cockiness has nothing to do with anything on the field. If you feel confident in your team, then go for it. Like George Kittle's not <laughs> dropping a pass because he's like, damn it, Sam and Andy said that we were gonna win by 50. Like, <laughs> I like, that. like, I like that. I like like that. the I like the idea of jinxing and all this. Listen, you have every right to be confident. This team is better than the Cowboys, and the way that they've been playing, you should be confident. So there's a lot of fans that are, you know, they have their their way that they fan. I don't want to police how people fan. If you're confident, be confident. If you're cautiously optimistic, be cautiously optimistic. But if you feel it, then you should feel it because there are a lot of things that point to the 49ers being much better than the Cowboys. And everybody kind of right now is losing sight of that because of the performance that the Cowboys just put on. 
Yeah, there's so many ways to go with this. So, so I don't know which way, which route you were going to go, but I was, I was, I was listening, listening to the Sprint Right Option podcast, which is the podcast that you have. Uh, this morning when I was driving, you were, you and Andrew were pretty optimistic about the game last week, specifically the offense. Uh, so I guess, I guess we can start there because that's you know it all, it all starts and ends when you talk about when you talk about these teams as in the office, especially the Niners, especially the quarterback. So, dude, is this dude for real? Is this kid for real? I mean, at this point, this it's hard. Really? It's hard not to to believe at this point. Look, I understand six starts. We've seen quarterbacks kind of flash, and we think that you have our guy. 49ers, fan, 49ers fans and the organization have been looking for their guy since Steve Young. You see it for a little while with Garoppolo. You see it for a little while with Kaepernick. So there is a little bit of hesitance with 49ers fans, and I understand that. And, again, there's this way of thinking that if this was Trey Lance, would you automatically be on board after five games and say, oh, my God, is this the guy? I think yeah. you still should be taking in information. Having said that, Having said that, there is something right now with this offense and the way that it's operating with Kyle Shanahan, where not only is he executing this offense, but Kyle feels so confident with him right now. If you notice the beginning of the Seattle game, they were throwing the ball to set up the run. That necessarily wouldn't have been something I feel that they would have done with Garoppolo and not as effectively. Now, did it start off? Well, no, but there is a confidence that Kyle Shanahan is oozing right now with his play calling. But the other thing is, this is the way the offense is operated. Whether it's Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, guys are going to run wide open, especially with these playmakers. That's what Shanahan's so good at. The only thing that Purdy is doing right now is he's ripping those downfield shots that Jimmy would have never taken or Nick Mullins wouldn't have taken, and he's executing. So right now, it how could you not be excited about this kid? But I also do want to throw a little hesitance in there about, you know, if this was six games of Trey Lance doing this, would you automatically say get him a gold jacket? It's, I, I think it has a lot to do with where they were drafted. I, if it was Trey, I would be like, yeah, this is this is Mahomes. Because, I mean, because yeah. that's what you almost expect. I mean, he's got the talent. I think with Brock, it always felt like, I don't know, he's just like Nick Mullins, right? Like, that's best-case scenario. It's just because he's because he's a freaking seventh-round last pick. So, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Everybody always talks about him. Because I want to start on, on Brock because that is the big story. And then everybody always talks about him running the 10-second as fast as uh, Christian McCaffrey. He does look athletic out there. The thing that is – amazing to me and for warriors fans though they'll, they'll know this you just know when someone understand how to play the sport the moment you see them out there the first time for warriors fans when you watch like smiley geach play the first time or even james wiseman you're like god damn, i don't know if he knows how to play basketball then you watch brock purdy the first couple games and you're just like does he just know when to escape the pocket does he just know how to make these ad-lib plays how does he know how to do this as a kid that just came out of college who wasn't even good in college and was the last pick of the draft. So that stuff is kind of crazy where, damn, man, nobody knew that. Yeah, the thing is, is um, 10 second split is much more important for him than it is Lamar Jackson. He has a faster 10 second, 10 yard split than Lamar Jackson. But you don't need Brock Purdy to run 40 down, 40 down the field like you would with Lamar Jackson. And when you talk about his experience, you look at Trey Lance and you look at other guys. He still played at a power five school. Like he played like in a big conference. Like Iowa State is not like, you know, an FCS school. So, again, he has the experience. He's been in big games. He just looks like he's been there before. There is something to be said about the four years that he had there. Now, his last year wasn't exactly as good. But that experience in big games, I mean, those college football games have 120,000 people at those games. Those stadiums are shaking. Like he's not in small moments. So that's why right now the offense looks like that. He looks comfortable because he just has experience at this point. I think the I think the thing that also just like makes you feel super confident about is like what are they they're putting up like 38 points a game Great. since he's taken over that's it I 
speaking to the um the bias of like a top five pick versus seventh rounder, like and notice today all anyone's talking about is like how wide open everyone is. Oh, you know, Kyle, Kyle Shan- this is all Kyle Shanahan. He's scheming them up. And like, bro, they were they were wide open when Jimmy was quarterback. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, it's like it's true. He's a great play caller, but th- he still has to complete the play, he still has to do it. And like just watching the Niners the last three years, it's just hilarious to me because it's like how much Kyle Shanahan civil war is there where it's like, why is he getting more of them? It's like, bro, he, he did what he could do, right? Yeah, and and look, it's a little bit of Kyle, it's a little bit of Brock, but again, I think we we've gone through a routine with Jimmy Garoppolo, and this is what had me confident about Trey Lance is the fact that he's paired with Kyle Shanahan is you know, even after 49ers win, I think 49ers Twitter, you know, you guys can speak to this because you're on it as well. Every week, the 49ers could have won a game 41 to 10, but people would post the all 22 of, look at this guy running wide open down the field and the ball's not being ripped. This is what always had me confident about whatever quarterback it would be. Now, having said that, that doesn't downplay what Brock Purdy's doing. The deep shots were always in the offense. They were always there, okay? It's just Jimmy would get the ball out fast and Jimmy wouldn't look down the field. Brock's actually looking down the field and throwing the ball. And again, he doesn't have a rocket arm, but he knows timing and when to throw. So the offense was always geared for this type of quarterback. He's just executing it at a level that it hasn't happened yet. So again, it's like, it's it's silly that everybody has now pivoted from, my God, this guy is doing what he's doing in the middle of this run. This is so fun to, well, is he really that good? Guys, come on. Like, like right now, you should just be riding the wave and enjoying. And the same thing, you know, just table the what's going to happen next year with him and Trey Lynn and stuff. Like, I mean, it's fun to talk about. And if you guys want to ask about it. Nah, it's, cool. it's not it's fun. Just, no, I don't know. Yeah. It's not fun. It's to not. Talk it's about. They've, got a, they've got a freaking <laughs> divisional matchup against the Cowboys, which we should probably I, I hijack Sam's agenda to talk about Brock Purdy. But should probably mm-hmm. talk about the matchup with the Cowboys because they are. They look like shit against Washington in the few games at the end of the regular season. And then, I mean, I picked the Bucks to win. I don't know anything about football, but I was like, oh, I'm rooting for the Bucks. You know, they seem like they'll turn up. Tom Brady, bit. he doesn't lose yeah. playoff games. Yeah, <laughs> Throws a pick in the red zone, right? And they just get walloped. I guess, like, that game, you watch the Cowboys, you're like, they're better than, than, than what they looked like last year. I guess my take from this game, and I'll kind of leave it to you guys, is that um, are the Cowboys that much better than last season? Because I know for a fact the Niners are way better. Because the Niners last season, I know they won two games. They got to the NFC Championship game. But never was I actually comfortable watching them win those games. It, not to say it was fluky, but I watched those games and I was just like, oh, my God, they're kind of They were nail biters. They were down. Hanging for dear life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because Kyle Shanahan was asked about – he was literally asked today about last year's game. And he said, yeah, you know, I didn't like how that game, you know, ended. Uh, you know, there was too many mistakes down the stretch. But in terms of improvement from Dallas, I see it in the run game. The offensive line is, is better. I would say they're taking a step back with their weapons. Um, D- Dalton Schultz is great. CeeDee Lamb is great. But in terms of, like, Michael Gallup, he's not all the way there like he was last year. And Dak's been throwing a lot of interceptions, right? Now, defensively, you know, metrics are funny, right? There's a metric and a story and a narrative for everything, right? So you can do DVOA, right? So let's do DVOA. The Niners are number one. Dallas is number two. But when you take a long look at their numbers, Dallas gives it up all day on the run. I mean, they finished the, the they finished the season 22nd in rushing yards allowed, 129.3, 17th in rushing yards per game, 4.42. Now, okay, you can look at that and say 18 games did they start? Did they okay? But here's how they ended. And this is how they ended allowing passing yards, giving it up through the air. They were, they allowed the six most passing yards from weeks 13 to 18 and the six most touchdowns with 11. 
Now, here are the opponents, and I think this is the eye-opener. Indianapolis, Matt Ryan. Houston, Davis Mills and, and Driscoll. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence. Good. Philly, Gardner Minshew. No hurts. Titans, Joshua Dobbs. And then Washington, Sam Howell. And then when you think about what they gave up on the ground there in those games, I think it's even more eye-opening. Houston, 114 on the ground. Jags, 192. 87 to the Eagles without Hurts, 97 to the Titans without Derrick Henry, and 151 yards to Washington without Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson. A, a guy named Jarrett Patterson was gashing them. This Dallas defense is one in, in terms of getting pressures and things like that, but they can be had everywhere else. And this leans right to this offense that, like Sam said, they're scoring 30 points a game at this point. I, I don't see the weakness. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I was if I was to draw up a concern for the Niners, <laughs> what 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 do the give me the the script of what it looks like for the Cowboys to to um to upset them um Brock Purdy starts playing mistake football um turning the ball over turnovers are always going to do that to you and then the secondary right like it, it's really weird you know throughout the end of the season you kind of saw people pick on Diamador Lenore I was more of the mind that it's about who are you going to throw at are you going to throw it or Charvarius Ward or are you going to throw at Diamador Lenore I, I mean I think that's an easy an easy answer every time so now the narrative's flipped on you know, Seattle, right? In the Seattle game, Charveris Ward goes out there and DK Metcalf kind of puts it on and Lenore's a little bit better. So your nightmare scenario is the 49ers turn the ball over, turn the ball over, turn the ball over, and they give up big plays through the air. As far as the rushing game goes, that's where the Dallas Cowboys are very good this year. Tony Pollard has been great. You know, I know that there's a, a certain media personality who says that Tony Pollard's better than <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. I think that's kind of laughable. But I don't fear that as much because the 49ers have too much, especially on the defensive line with run stuffers. Javon Kinlaw's back. Eric Armstead's back. Gibbons is back. Those guys can stuff the run, right? But if you start to turn the ball over and they're starting to hit these deep plays against this secondary, you know, Hufanga, Lenore, Gibson, those are probably your biggest concerns. I think Ward will be fine. That's when you start to feel that anxiety that you kind of felt early on in that Seattle game when you're seeing DK Metcalf run right by Charveris Ward. So, it's got to be the secondary, and it's got to be the fact that Brock Purdy all of a sudden turns into a pumpkin, which I don't suspect will happen. Maybe. Um, what if I told you the Niners' defense is overrated? Um, you watched the last month, and I don't feel like the first. Don't feel like the first ten weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, look, I think again. So when you look at this this defense, 
what are you going to test? This defensive line is too stout. Who are you going to test? Are you going to test right? Are you going to test Warner and Greenlaw? Are you going to test Mooney Ward? Well, no, you don't go with those guys. So you have the three guys, Gibson, Hufanga, and Lenore, right? And again, as the season went on, people were noticing things. When things go on film, just because they don't go in the stat sheet doesn't mean that the offensive coordinators don't see. So if Hufanga bites on a route, but they don't throw the ball over his head, that doesn't mean that he gets dinged with anything, but an offensive coordinator stores that away in his mind. Oh, we can get him with a double move, or we can get him yeah. in this situation and put pressure on him. So I think what's really showing is they're still an elite defense. I believe they're still an elite defense, but you have to attack weaknesses and and that's their weakness at this point. It's going to be those three spots. Everything else is solid. I wouldn't go after those other guys. And, and that's really where these offenses are picking it up. It feels like if there's going to be a, a, a quarterback that, I mean, besides Jared Stidham, like it's going to be one of the AFC quarterbacks. It feels like it feels like a Mahomes. Joe I really, Burrow, yeah, I was, was going to be like, I don't want to go. I don't want to fast forward too much but it's also no. fucking impossible not to right yeah, yeah no no no. and Dak played like i mean yesterday didn't he kind of just play like patrick mahomes against uh against tampa bay so but if you're going to draw up a quarterback that's going to beat the night like for four quarters because you can you we've seen teams beat this defense for two quarters geno smith just did but then it falls apart in the second half so i mean maybe it's jalen hurts i mean it could be next week if, if they win that game jalen hurts seems like that type that that you know, kills a Niners type of defense. Any scrambling quarterback does. They kill all defenses, but um, it doesn't feel like Dak is that type of guy. Last season's Dak didn't look like that type of guy. Yeah, I think he's a guy who wants to win from the pocket, but he'll move a little bit. But I I just don't think that he is the threat that Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and Mahomes is more of just extend the play and and you better hope that you're covering on the back end. And with with Mahomes and Reed and that offense – you can hold them down for a quarter. You can hold them down for two quarters. You might even be able to hold them down for three quarters. Hey, but relax. You're not, <laughs> relax. <laughs> but you're not going to be able to do it the entire time. So you better hope that your offense is cooking. I think this is where the confidence yeah. that we all are, are starting to feel is, even if your team puts up 24 points, there's not this fear of, well, they can't score 24 at this point because of the offense now. If you're putting up 30-35, go score your 24 at this point. The D'Amico and the defense will figure out a way to make enough stops and get it done. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you chalk up last week's like kind of honestly just a shitty first half against Seattle to just like not playing focus, just kind of like we think we could run through them, thinking a little too far ahead? Because like the defense didn't show up for the first half of that game. And I'm trying to make I'm trying to decide if I think there's something there. Or it's just the textbook, you know, over the Warriors the type of thing. You think they're the Warriors? You think they overlook? You think they just show up and stink one up sometimes? You think, you think? I think Nick Bosa is a lot better than the first yeah. half he played in that game. He didn't play much. Getting. It was weird to see Bosa on the side. Yeah, it was, it was just uh, kind of a weird first half. I didn't know what to uh, make. Like, I'm not surprised Brock Purdy kind of like had a couple yeah, yeah. series where he yeah. looked like a rookie, but like everyone else looked kind of. I'm just, I don't know. What, what do you think, Ponte? I think, honestly, you can give credit to the Seahawks. So, you know, when you when you look at their game plan for the eight quarters that they played, um, mm-hmm. they attacked Diamador Lenore. They really didn't go at Mooney Ward. Well, they saw some things that they could uh, take advantage of with Ward. They could see some deep shots. They obviously knew that Ward was going to be by himself with no cover help. So you get DK Metcalf paired on him and you take a few more shots. There is a little something to the idea that this team came out a little flat early on. And the only thing that I'm going to point to is after the Debo Samuel leg turn, um, that Jonathan Abrams had where Kyle Shanahan is like livid blacked out, like walking through the Seattle players. And then the switch comes on and all of a sudden the offense goes off for 25 points. 
the defense has been very good in the second half. D'Amico makes great adjustments, and they figure it out. They always find a way. But I think there is a little something to that. I do want to give credit to Seattle. They're rolling in the right direction. I know 49er fans don't want to hear this, man. I don't know what's going to happen with Geno. They're probably going to pay him. If he falls off a cliff, fine. But I I, I have to give him credit. 70% the, completion percentage. He was great. The, the Seahawks are the funny. The, the whole Seahawks-Russell Wilson thing is the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. Because I thought they were... I legitimately thought they were insane for trading him and keeping Carroll over him. I'm like, Carroll's like 80 years old. What are we doing here? This is the best player your franchise ever had. You can't be serious doing that whole coach over a star quarterback. thing. And then they were 200% right. And it's just, it just makes, it just warms me to my heart. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing is, what was he cooking? Like that meme? It, it, maybe it was Russ. Maybe it was Russ, man. And, and, you know, again, the pairing of him and Nathaniel Hackett. But you have to give credit to Seattle. I know you guys don't want to hear this, but they smashed this draft. They, they got two starting tackles, a starting cornerback, a starting running back, a starting um, inside cornerback. And then they've got this high pick because Russell Wilson's a double agent. It's just And it's just giving them <laughs> another high pick for Denver. So this kind of feels like we're on a collision course with Seattle again. Now, Geno's they should draft fine. a quarterback. They should draft a quarterback. That's mm. their that's their pinch right now, right? Like, do you give Geno Smith a five no. year, thirty no. million per deal? No. Or do you just try to you try to franchise tag him something? Try to yep. keep him for one more year, bring somebody in. If they are able to smash their drive one more time, even get two guys this time like that are starters. It's 49ers Seattle all over again for the rest of this time in the so NFC good. West because so because good. of Arizona and Los Angeles and what they're in. Every time I watch Brock now, and and he made two escape, three escape plays. The one against Brandon Ayuk, I've never freaking seen in my life as a Niners fan. Um, every time I watch him escape, he he like does a little juke move and then bullshit escapes from a lineman that's coming right at him. I'm just going, Seahawks fans fucking deserve that because we watch <laughs> Russ do that so much, so much. He releases from the pocket, d- uh, avoids the Force Buckner, and then throws a thirty yard bomb down the field, and you're just sitting there like, dude. And and again, it's almost like the hanging knife. You almost kind of feel like it's coming with Seattle. You let them hang around, let them hang oh. around. Something fluky happens, and all of a sudden the, the knife comes. And it's just we have not seen a quarterback not only do things like that, score two improvisational touchdowns, one to Christian McCaffrey, one to Elijah Mitchell, just on, on underneath throws, just of getting out of the pocket, and then something like that. But then it just feels good because sometimes we – I don't want to talk about the one person who would do it, but the ball would leave the screen, and we're just, like, hoping that it, there's not a defender on the other side of it. Most likely now it's a it's a wide-open 49ers defender. So, yeah, I, I, um, um, receiver, I'm sorry. But, yeah, it's just – it's it's hard not to be excited about the kid. Everybody should be excited. Just, you know, leave all – table all discussions about what's going to happen later on. Just enjoy the ride for now. Let's, let's end on this. Give me mm-hmm. your prediction. I need I need predictions from both of you. Um, I got the Niners winning by two scores. That means ten points Ooh. at least. Uh, t- ten points at least. Look, I, if I know what I know about this offense and what the Dallas Cowboys have shown these last few weeks, because I think that's a better indicator than whatever numbers that are out there that can push whatever you know you know narrative about them. If you're going to give it up on the ground, I suspect that Dallas is going to try to load up their front. Well, then that means you're going to make Brock Purdy throw the ball on you. Cool. Have fun mm. with that. Have fun trying to cover the death lineup that Dan Orlovsky covered, you know, about, you know, Debo, Christian, um, Kittle, Ayuk, Juszczyk, and they're all lined up in different places. Have fun with that. And then when you go back and try to guard that, 
Here comes the run game, much more explosive. They gashed them last year for about 190 mm-hmm. yards, I believe, in the wild card game. Um, I, I just see it's too much. It's going to be too much. The game may be close for a little while, but the 49ers will wind up pulling away. I got them at least by 10. So similar to last week. You know, it. it I wonder if it, it was Kyle Shanahan's perfect script. Would he rather run it 35, 40 times? Or would he chuck it? Because it feels like he's forced to chuck it right now a little bit with Brock Purdy. I wonder if it was his perfect scenario. Would he just run it 40 times on Sunday against the Cowboys and just limit Brock Purdy to like 20 throws? Maybe that's it. I pick. I picked the Niners 30 to 17 just because this offense is absurd. Um, it feels like more than ever before. And Jimmy didn't have this, so I kind of can't really shit on Jimmy. But, dude, you've got – I mean, you talked about the 21 personnel, which I just – I'm learning. I don't know what football – I mean, you got Christian McCaffrey. You don't need an old football to understand if you've got Debo, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk, who's now a number one receiver. I mean, dude, uh, there's going to be – Well, every every formation is is not a tell. They can pass or run out of everything (laughs) with, like, elite precision. How do you not score 30 points? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. Like, even maybe even Jimmy Healthy would have had 30 points somehow, some way. I mean, maybe 24 points, but he'd have two turnovers. But, you know, it's just how do you not score 30 points? The only fear I have, dude, like, it's two things. Number one – feel like defense is slipping. I, I just haven't seen a dominant defensive game from this team in weeks. Uh, and then number two is uh, Kyle Shanahan in big games, brother. I, Andy, Andy, I, don't, I, I just – I've seen it too many times. He gets all weird. He's going to do a crazy play call. You know, I look, Sean McVay was crazy last season in the NFC Championship game. He tried to choke it away with the crazy challenges, but it worked. I'm just saying – I've seen Kyle blow it too many times on the big stage. So, you know, maybe the game gets tight. Pressure gets tight. You're at home. You're favored. Things get weird. Kyle gets weird. Just, you know, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah. And they should run it 40 times, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. Well, you Particularly know, against think, an AFC team, like you just never let Mahomes get the ball. Yeah. The, good thing, <laughs> the good thing was last week is, you know, Seattle comes out with the loaded front and he mm-hmm. has the confidence to go to Brock. I think that that's where I think a lot of the, the late game, like clamming up that you're talking about has a little bit more to do with the, the quarterback. Right. Like, and just, you know, relying on it. Like right now, it's just Kyle feels like he's different. Like he feels like he can do whatever he wants without like who let this Christian McCaffrey deal happened and who thought it was a good idea and who was complaining about draft picks at this point, when you look at how this offense looked, because even when Jimmy was there, was on the uptick. It's just right now, Kyle knows that he's got too much at his disposal and he does believe in this kid, man. I don't care what anybody says. I am basing this on nothing but vibes. Vibes are usually are the ones that tell you the most, but he yes. is right now oozing this confidence and it's because of Brock Purdy. That's crazy. Guy looks 12. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Aponte, coming through. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Andy, uh, you know, uh, my bartender is going to be super excited, so I'm going to make sure she looks out for this episode. (laughs) Sir. sir. Light years international, even though we're falling off. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing. That was amazing. And and we didn't even give him a chance to to pump his show, but Sprint Right Option podcast, Jason Aponte and Andrew Pasquini. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But, dude, really good. Uh, Just Niners content is great, man. A lot of good Niners content. Yeah, must listen. An absolute must listen. Awesome. Um, Man, there's nothing more fun than the NFL playoffs just because of how like quick it is every week. Anyway, I don't want to I don't want to do that. That's we're gonna get somewhere. We're gonna get the mailbag portion for those of you who were not interested in Niners talk, want to skip through and just want to sift through trade rumors and Dante DiVincenzo content. We got you. You know, we always got you. (laughs) Um, got some great voicemails. We start playing them back for you, Andy. Let's roll to the goons. Hey guys. Long time listener, first time caller. Uh, this is Nalia. 
Um, my question for you guys is, who do you think would be the best available pickup uh, at, the, at or after the deadline who would be essentially free? Because from all the reporting, it sounds like they're not looking to do, make any big moves or you know, trade, trade for a big guy like Hurdle or uh, Olenek who, you know, after all, you would have to make a decision on whether to resign them after the year. Um, and as we all know, Lakers is trying to keep the payroll down going forward. Um, so, yeah, out of, you know, out of everyone on the scrap piece, who do you think would be the most ideal pickup? I like that. So it's like, who who's a buyout option? I feel like you and I have both said, I, I just feel like it's more likely a buyout than a trade's happening, right? Yeah. Um, the reality is, the buyout market really won't be set till trades happen. Usually buyouts are like a vet gets traded to a garbage team as salary filler and they buy him out just so he can, um, you know, just do right by him. Right. Like, like um, a couple of years ago, Drummond, they just bought him out and then let him go, uh, you know, let him go chase a ring with the Lakers. And, you know, that didn't work that type of thing. So I don't, it feels too early to decide, but I, I don't know. Do you, do you have anyone in mind? I don't. Of- it, it, it. I was just gonna say I didn't want to give like a bailout answer, but it, you just don't know because buyout candidates just happen within that week stretch of what you're saying. Um, Joe Michael Green was a buyout can- like he was a guy that they bought out just to say like, hey, go go get somewhere. And the Warriors got wind of that and said, yeah, we'll sign Joe Michael Green. So it's like that type of situation. I don't think the Warriors were. I'm gonna set Niners because we've done a dozen Niners. It's not like the Warriors are uh, targeting Joe Michael Green, right? It was just oh, he's a big guy. Shoot a three a little bit. He could rebound a little bit. It's a buyout guy. He's going to be here. Let's go get him. Right. So that's, yeah. I feel like it's going to be like that. I don't know if you're going to know. I, I I know the Warriors probably will, but I don't know if we can. Yeah. You have a feeling like I could see something. He's on an expiring contract. Dallas might trade him, ironically, for Jakob Pertle. The Spurs might just buy him out because they just don't even want to play him. You know, then that's a buyout guy. Those are the type that's usually how the buyout market comes together. Honestly, it's almost always those type of situations. Maybe OKC trades for something to get a young player and they have to take a contract and they're like, yeah, we don't really need him here. We'll just buy him out so we can play more young guys. The, the problem is how many guys are going to be moving stuff off uh, their team? How many sellers, I guess, um, are there going to yeah, be? Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, that's why I was saying it's kind of like this time of year is it, it's a little annoying because it's like, I just want to get to February, the deadline, by the way, the trade deadline's the ninth. I want to get to like the fifth. That's when like stuff actually starts happening. Up until then, it's just people lying about how they want 18 picks for Gary Trent Jr., you know? Insane. Let's get to the next one. Oh, what up, Sam? What up, Andy? Pastor here. Been thinking about a lot of Pastor things. here. Well, I'm waiting for AAA to help me out. Yeah, it always sucks. So it gives you a lot of time to think about things. And uh, one thing I would think about is that Austin Rivers um, kind of post TikTok YouTube real VIG thing. We're really talking about players just not coming in and being developed. And it's something that can be happening for a long time coming with the AU circuit and whatnot. But what I'm what I'm wondering is could could the, the move be to not only do a, a rework development staff like the Warriors did. A, a year ago, to really dive into the Santa Cruz Warriors being a minor league um, and, and just teaching people and just having that as a plan when you draft them, that you're going to send them there to teach them basketball. Um, what do you guys think about that? Bye. 
I would love the NBA to trend in that direction. I think it's better than having to subject us to watching a bunch of 19, 20 year olds who aren't ready to play at this level, but teams are going to continue to draft based on upside. I would rather it look like MLB where like top prospects hang in the minors until you're like, all right, Zion, he's ready. You know, I, I love the Austin rivers rant because, and to relate it back to the warriors, this is the exact issue that the warriors are having. And this is the exact issue. I, I watched I watch that. I was like, did they hire him? Exactly. Is he, try, exactly. Is he trying to get Steve Kerr to, to, to sign him? Boom. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, Austin Rivers is not who they need, but I, I actually, I like him as a player. They need another 6'4 guard, man. <laughs> By the way, Austin Rivers, as a guy that talked about, I'm not a mixtape, like, highlight pack. I just never liked it growing up. I didn't care for it. But Austin Rivers had one of the coolest ones that you'll ever see uh, when he was coming up. You, him, and, you, um, him and Nico Mannion. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I, anyway. I just, I just, I, again, you know me. I didn't like the way the type of stuff. It is the problem that I think the Warriors have and they've had, and it worked Jordan Poole because the team was terrible with guys injured so they can live with Jordan Poole's mistakes. But once Jordan Poole got to the point where he was so good that he had to play, perfect. Right. And, but they also had to teach him here are the things that you, you're going to have to do to be successful. He learned how to play off the ball, he learned how to make better decisions on the ball. That's not stuff that you learn at OKC where nobody gives a shit about anything, especially about winning. And then I think you see the problem now with Kaminga and Wiseman is that, and even Moses Moody, let's not, let's not even leave him out of this, is those guys come in and they are so used to playing a certain way that, and maybe this has happened in NBA history, they don't know how to play winning style of basketball. The other thing is you can't expect them to know how to play winning style of basketball unless you've always done that. Unless you're Tyrese Halliburton, you've always been ready to play winning style of basketball. And I just think that makes life so difficult as a Warriors wonder, because Steve Kerr expects you to play that way and they're not going to get there. I wonder you mix in. Steve is probably not the best development coach. Um, no. Whether he's, whether he's right or wrong on it. Um, it's just hard to give guys the space to make mistakes while also trying to chase wins. Shout out chase wins. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's one of those things where like, it's, it's a rough situation I mean, I do wonder if Tyrese Halliburton, who you brought up, who's was way more polished since day one, would have gotten the opportunity with the Warriors, or if he would have been stuck in a Moses Moody limbo where every mistake gets him pulled. It's hard to say, but the reality is, like, it's it would benefit the Warriors and it would benefit the NBA if they just let teams like actually use their G League affiliate, like actual minor leagues, um, because to me. That would be cool that I'd actually be way more into watching Santa Cruz games. If I knew that, like, that's where the next crop's coming from, you know, like the way it works in baseball, right? Like you hear about farms, people get into it. It's like, Oh, it's new top prospects coming, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, that's the just Giants, my the Giants got two, by the way, we still got two. Giants got two. That's all we got in the top 100. In the <laughs> that's it. I don't know about the A's, but that's all we got. I, I don't blame Steve Kerr anymore. I can't. He wants to win, dude. He's got the best players in the world, the best player in the world. He wants to win. I kind of can't blame him for developmental stuff anymore. So I've given that up. Um, to me, if you're going to blame someone for it, you, you blame you blame, uh, blame the big guy. Blame Lakeup. Hey, fellas. It's Jake in Chicago. This is the season. Started on October 18th. Since then, they've accrued 22 wins. In that same time, Draymond, Andre Guadalla, Bob Myers, and Joe Lakeham via Tim Kawakami have put out 18 podcasts combined. <laughs> Holy so shit. Do the wins really matter? 
This is a great question. I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to spin this for you. Do the do the Warriors end up with more wins or podcasts than the end of the season? If they if did he put Andre he put Andre in there. If those guys post once a week and I should have done the math, but you can you can do them each month is 4 weeks, right? So you've got 4 4 4 and you do that? I think they might, Bob, end, they might end they might end up yeah, but you think Bob will go multiple a week? <laughs> you think, I, <laughs> I think Bob's is a mini series, so maybe that's six episodes total. Um, <laughs> mini series. Draymond's gonna go once a week for now until April, so that's two, four, ten, ten weeks. Andre's got another ten weeks, so let's call it twenty-six more podcasts on their way they'll definitely be a guest podcast via yeah, tk also. a couple guests so we'll say 27 i think they're hitting i think we're getting 45 podcasts before the regular season ends are the warriors going to win 45 games i fucking hope so honestly <laughs> i don't i, I don't want to i don't want to live in a world where they can't hit 45 woods um i don't know they might they might be it's kind of it's close it's, it's close close so, some like it tells me i feel like they're hitting 46 7 and they're gonna be the seven seed eight seed it they feel like a they feel like a playing team there's i don't see a huge run in them but maybe i'm pessimistic pods versus wins not we are tracking this not january 20 fan. january 18th yeah, not, january 18th so season started three months ago to the day samuel to the day so january 18th we're gonna start now we're gonna do a little ticker um, and we're, we're going to count wins versus podcast till the end of the season. We are doing it, guys. God. Warriors. Good call, Jake. Appreciate it. Yeah, is Bob gone this summer? The man is on a media tour. I was surprised we hadn't got to that, that question first. And to be fair, I could have just played that question first. But uh, um, it, it's weird seeing Bob do all this media. The podcast is one thing because that's clearly been in production for a while. Omaha Productions, Warriors behind it, a bunch of stuff. But going on Sports Center and like, hmm, it does feel like a certain guy doesn't have a contract and he's trying to apply a little pressure looking for another job. It feels if you're Bob Myers, do you want to work anywhere else as a GM? So mm. if would you? Would you go anywhere else? It, it depends. On the compensation and the control. Because you know he doesn't have as much control here. You know, like, for example, Rob Polinka probably has more power than him, which probably is not good for the Lakers, but that's a different, yeah, you yeah, know what I'm saying? It, like, like I, he doesn't have absolute power. This isn't the Spurs where R.C. Buford and Pop make all the decisions. He just, I here's my thing. I just think he just might not want to do the grind anymore. It happens. That's, or he just needs a couple years off. I mean, Sean Payne, you're seeing in the NFL left and right. Um, I, yeah, I mean, he's not going to have a hard time getting a media gig. If he that's wants exactly what I'm saying. He could just do like Steve Kerr, just go do announcing and get paid $10 million a year. And, and what, you're not going to get yelled at by Joe Lacob after winning a championship. It's not a bad life. I mean, God, every Silicon Valley company will have Bob come do 250 K dinner speaking Easy. gigs, you know, Easy how to build a winner. Bob Myers coming to talk to your managerial team. <laughs> he asked Steph Curry, and I, I really enjoyed the podcast. He asked them what makes a successful life. I mean, come on. If that isn't the most tech company, you know, retreat, one hour enablement session, you know, come on. That's just, that's peak. All right, guys. Now let's do, do trust falls. <laughs> like, it's just, that, I feel like he's done. 
if 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 he doesn't want to go th- if he doesn't get paid by the Warriors to do the same stuff that he's been doing now, which I don't know how much he hates it. Like, why why do it again? Why why go to Indiana? Just a name off. The I do why go somewhere. I else? do agree with you. I I don't. I think life lifestyle matters to him. I don't think he's leaving the Warriors for any specific market. Yeah. It's he'll go back to LA. I think he would go to do the Laker job. He could <laughs> save the Lakers. He's lived in LA. You know he's clearly comfortable. You know he's clearly comfortable living there or in San Francisco with his family. I can see that, but I, I kind of my, my gut feeling is this is all just a leverage play right now, yeah. and it's it's kind of funny to see Bob do it because um, he's you know such he a behind it. he's such a behind the scenes guy. He hates it. Yeah, he hates it. and the, the other one, the, the name I should have said is like let's say Minnesota fires their guy because that got awful trade. Like why would Bob want to go there? Why just why would he go anywhere? But just to make money doing if, media, or if you if you're a GM who has options, you want the job that basically gives you the all the tools to build a winner. So, like if you're the Lakers, you have like all the cap space in the world, and you know you can sign free agents because it's LA, right? Or like uh, you know, um, like that's kind of why Griffin wanted New Orleans. He's like, I have every draft pick ever to make all these trades. Like I can build this thing up. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like one of those things. But but ultimately, I, it, let me ask you this: Do you think Bob is the GM next year? I think it it coincides directly with Draymond. If you're telling me Bob's gone, I say Draymond's gone. If you're telling me Draymond's back, I think, I think they run it back because that that's the two big questions. I think Draymond' question is way bigger than Bob. But the the big question is is it feels like it's going to be a next phase. If Draymond's gone, Bob's gone, then it's going to be a new face. It's going to be Kirk Lakeup's GM or something. And then all of a sudden now you've got Kaminga as your four or five. Like, whatever. I don't know how that's going to work. But that's what I, it feels I, like. My gut feeling says that he's back. But I kind of agree with you. If they're going to break the team up, that's kind of the, the obvious time for Bob to walk away too, you know? Yeah. So who knows? I'm going to say – Bob's like, why do this? Why, why you know? Yeah, unless he feels strongly about it, but it doesn't it doesn't appear he does. You know, it doesn't appear that he wants to move on to the next era. Anyway, we'll good see. Salesman. Next, good salesman, by the way. That's his job. He's that's good negotiations. Next question. Yo yo, just looking at the uh, morning news and the leak on the uh, San Antonio draft pick requirement. It makes one wonder, you know, that is that the Warriors laying the ground for why? They didn't make a move because it would cost them too many draft picks. <laughs> uh, is that San Antonio posturing publicly, which seems like a terrible negotiation strategy? Um, or is that a third party trying to raise the price on the Warriors? Um, like, say, a Celtics out there or someone to just prevent them from actually being a threatening team. All right. You saw it this morning. Um, the Spurs want two draft picks for Jakob Pertl. We all want things. You're not getting two draft picks for a two-month rental. Fucking insane. I think because there's only two to three teams selling, they're doing that thing where they're seeing if they can find a sucker because they have – they don't care if they complete the deal January 18th or 19th or February 7th, right? But if they can complete – if they can rip someone off, they'll run with it right now. Um, That's just my guess. Seller's market. I mean, there's not many teams. If the real, real question, 2000, 2019, 2020 Bay Area real estate market. Jeez. <laughs> nice. Um, Toronto is the one. If, if Masai Jerry wants to get crazy, right? That's probably the one. 
Yeah, maybe yeah, non-Warriors related, or maybe Warriors related. I don't know. But I, but I, it, it kind of is because if like Toronto and I'll throw Chicago in there too because they're kind of on the play-in cusp. If those teams decide to start getting like, screw it, we're trading Zach Levine and Pascal Siakam, right? Um, the Warriors aren't getting those guys, but it might open up stuff that the Warriors could sure. get. Sure. I don't know. It's I mean, hopefully not Zach Levine, but Pascal Siakam. Well, I mean, the Warriors aren't trading for like a $35 million player. I just don't see it happening. You know, like they're, they're not going to just be like, all right, guys, we just traded clay for Pascal Siakam. It's not happening. <laughs> Next one. Hey, Sam. Hey, Andy, this is Archie. Um, been watching a what lot up, of Archie? games, specifically uh, the Chicago and the Wizards games. Um, kind of out as far as our style of play uh, overall. In a lot of ways, we're kind of straggling the line like the postseason Lakers uh, championship team um, until they kind of flamed out. It, in a lot of ways, also reminds me of um, with the amount of threes that we're kind of putting up of the Harden-esque Rocket teams as well. Uh, I just don't think that that's going to be a solution to some of the issues that we have. Um, and I think it's actually – led to very inconsistent play specifically on the road when we play teams that are home they're home cooking especially when we leave three pointers uh, three-point shooters open um that being said I do have a question that kind of came up about it uh we lead the league in i believe three-point attempts as well as three-point makes and then pace um has a team won ever won a championship with those three metrics and do you think that we can win one um, following that specific recipe. You know, disclaimer for myself, I do not, but I'm interested to see what you guys think. Thanks. That's an interesting question. Uh, do you think a team can lead, can lead the NBA in three-point takes and makes and win a title? If there's one team that can do it, it's the team with Steph and Clay on the team. I mean, uh, for most of the titles, they're top three in both those things anyway. Um, this is a different style, though. This Agreed. is a yeah, this is and I think his point is very well taken. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. To me, it's not great. But I watch these games and Anthony Lamb can only do pretty much one thing, right? He shoots a three. Dante DiVincenzo can only shoot do one thing. He shoots a three. And that goes all the way down. Jermichael Green, when he's healthy, can really only do one thing is shoot a three. Andrew Wiggins, right now, as he's kind of getting into it, even before his injury shooting threes that was his thing he's shooting 45 percent from him, but he was shooting a lot of threes Clay, yeah it wasn't really going to the rim or anything yeah. same with jordan Poole, steph clay all these guys because they're not i just i don't think because they're not great passers decision makers even ball handlers to at least get to the hole and make a pass sure that's what that's what they do and the issue to me is not maybe the amount but it's how fast they do it, man. It is like Dante shoots these threes. A little pick, it's a little pickup volley, yeah. right? Yep. And that's it. That's it. I feel like so, we've talked about it, but that's my gripe. Is just, so, so I decided to look it up just, you know, to make sure I wasn't insane. Last year, the Warriors were third in takes and third in makes. Okay. Uh, the year before, Milwaukee, who won the title, was uh, fifth and sixth in both so i do actually think being top five and that sort of thing matters to me i have a stat for you archie which does concern me for the warriors they are last in shots at the rim and i think that's where the problem is it's one thing if you're taking a bunch of threes 
it's better to take threes and mid-range shots, but you got to at least get to the rim a little bit. And they're not, you know, you can do it many different ways. Like Warriors usually do it by cutting or Steph ISO and passing. Yeah. Um, But right now they're not, they're just like three, 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 three. three, And and so spam, 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 spam. That's all you do. That is, that is going to be the thing they need to solve. Uh, But I don't think they need to stop the threes per se. They just, they just need to get shots at the rim too. It's um it's a lack of IQ from everyone involved though. It's 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 the situational awareness to not shoot a crazy three. It's the awareness in the beginning of games where you don't need to shoot 15 threes. Maybe try to like maybe this team like Fitz as much as we make, make fun of Fitz, he mentions it all the time. And I don't think and, and then he goes and says, like, well, this is why we need a big or Start something like that. Which yeah. I just it's hard. You can't watch the game and not be frustrated with the way that it's played. You cannot be happy with that style of play, which is my point. Anybody who has watched the Warriors succeed the past 10 years, watches his team and is happy about that type of three-point shot making, you're crazy. You're crazy. There's no way. Yeah. Sam, Andy, uh, this is Jordan, first-time caller, long-time listener. Three of us used to go back and forth on Golden State of Mind about 13 years ago. Uh, Wow. On the Monta Steph debate, the Dwight Steph stuff, when folks came to town. This is back when we were, you know, not real fans. Go Steph Curry and some of the old gang like Sleepy. Um, Heard the last podcast last weekend. I think you guys are overlooking one guy that will fix all the problems. Fixes the front court depth, spaces the floor a bit for guys like Poole. He's 6'11". He makes $12 million. He's got a 40% shot from beyond the arc and a 65% true shooting percentage. And he's got a 1-0 defensive plus minus. That man is Kelly Olenek. We need to call up the phone, give Danny Ainge whatever the hell he wants. Uh, get him thinking about that Wemby life. Get this good player on a team that can help immediately. I'm thinking Wiseman Moody. Maybe for Olenek in a second round pick. See what lines up there. Anyway, I love what you guys are doing, and that uh, is what you hear. Yeah, excited to hear what you think about that. See ya. I love that. I love that call. Golden State of Mind 13 years ago. He's, by the way, Twitter is. <laughs> can you imagine Twitter living through the Monte Steph years? You know, actually, don't, don't even try. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, those are some glory days. I'm I'm thinking back to the blog days. I'm thinking back to how I got started. God, I was. Those were good days. I appreciate it. It's a, by the way, it's a great call. I was thinking, you know, the name that I had that came up in my head, I know that it wasn't him, but I was thinking Channing Fry. Uh, he's obviously <laughs> not playing in the league anymore, but I just Channing Fry is a type of player that would do really good in the Warriors. And I was just laughing. Kelly Olenek's a really good player. Sam, what do you think? I think he would really help them. And I just don't see the Warriors doing it because he's guaranteed money next year. And I just don't see Joe paying for $13 million of Olenek next year, but I do think he would help. He he's a Steve Kerr player, smart can shoot the hell out of the ball can pass. They run their offense through him in the high post all the time. Um, And just the exact type of player they need kind of connecting everything, but it's not going to happen. Maybe. Maybe he gets traded somewhere and bought out. That would be the dream. I don't see that happening either. (laughs) (laughs) As you're trying to convince yourself, um, he would be auto porter on steroids. 
Yeah. He can shoot the heck out the ball. Better doesn't passer. Really, doesn't really get hurt. Um, yeah. Uh, just a bucket. He's a bucket, though. He can actually go for 30 points. <laughs> as, yeah. as funny as it is to make fun of Kelly, he's been in the league forever. It feels like he's been in the league for 20 years, and he's ugly as hell with the hair. But the guy can get buckets. Um, Defensively, he's one of your standard. Like, he looks like he doesn't defend, but he's positionally really smart type of guys. Just your classic. Put him, put him next to Draymond and Wiggins, and he'd probably be able to hold up. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think he's a sieve. He's not terrible defensively. So, Olenek is a guy that I probably would rather have than Jakob Pertl. Like, that's just because he's yeah. more. Yeah. He's, I, he could play 30. He would play in the playoffs. Very simply put. Kelly Olenek will play in the playoffs for the Warriors. Because he, he can shoot. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I guess if I had a choice between the two, I'd rather have Olenek, too. Um, the Warriors well, are like, neither. I'm going to keep our guy. Last one. Hey, guys. Normally, I'm not a big uh, fan of the goon portion of the the show. It's a little too much. Oh, like deleted. AM radio, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sports call in. Jim uh, Rome, have to take sort of stuff. Um, but I didn't want Rack to out there. It kind of occurred to me that maybe Bob Myers is not re-signed as of yet because this is where Kirk Lakob sneaks in as GM. Scary as that sounds. Oh, we already hit on this one, but the one part of this we didn't talk about was just real quick, Andy. What would you think if Kirk became GM? Friend of the show, Kirk? Friend of the show. What do you Uh, think? By the way, rate his ability to play basketball. He's not bad. Look, he's kind of like, I would say he's kind of like me. Like he's not, I'm not blowing the doors off anyone, but he's a smart player, makes the right pass, can shoot a little bit, finish a little who bit. Sets, who sets better screens? I Andy or better screens. I will, <laughs> I will clock them on screens, dude. I, I, I'm so sad that my team couldn't make it. We were in the semis and we lost to a guy that was like 6'8, but we were going to play Kirk's team in the channel. I was ready to clock him on those screens. He's, he's also like a blindside screen setter type of guy. So we're literally almost the same type of player. Um, but any, anyway, <laughs> just, just two six foot Zazas. Yeah. <laughs> he knows how to play. He's, he's, he smart, does. He's a smart player. Talks a lot though. Um, which makes sense. Cause he always picks up the best players. Um, can I, can you want to give your take first? And I have, a, I have a take after on the, on the caller section, but you want to talk about the Kirk stuff? Cause I don't really have, oh. I've my, I've been thinking about you saying like, if Draymond's gone, Bob is gone because it's the cleanest way to start a new era since you said it. 15 minutes ago. Um, so I can't get that out of my head. I actually don't think Kirk would be bad in any capacity. I actually think he's pretty good at player valuations. Um, mm. The question I have uh, is how much they miss Bob's ability to negotiate and do kind of the agent stuff and manage the players and just kind of the stuff he's best to know. I actually don't know that basketball ops would take the largest hit because they have so many guys and, Kirk knows what he's doing on that standpoint. It's for me, it's just hard to let go of the group that kind of brought in the dynasty. So it's not even a negative Kirk take. It's just like not ready to let go of that sort of thing. That's kind of how I feel when it's not over. Why make it over? Okay. Um, I agree with you. I didn't thought about it that way. It's, it's, that's good. Cause he doesn't, have, it's an agent. He has an experience to do it. Um, my take to the beginning portion of the caller, um, what I thought was a very good call with the, with the call-ins. I, look, light years, we've done this for a very long time. It's been almost a decade now, Sam. Um, our, our biggest 
goal was always to just first of all me and you just talk dubs that's all we want to do is just talk warriors talk bay area sports two as we've kind of as we've kind of grown the last i think specifically the last four or five years one of the things that i think we've always tried to do is give a voice to the warriors fans um yeah and it's not you know because we feel like they don't have a voice or anything like that anybody can go anywhere like golden state of mine or anywhere they go on twitter and talk but we also feel like hey we have we have a podcast we have somewhat of a forum you guys can come in here or gals and say whatever you want. We've done it for years now. You can go on Spotify, you go here, X or Y, whatever. We've done like five different platforms. <laughs> <laughs> and you can say whatever you want. That's the thing, right? We don't care if you hate Wiseman or love Wiseman or if you love Steph. Or if you're in or, the middle. <laughs> or in the middle, right? Like we don't care. Our thing is if you've got something you want to get off your chest, come up here and say it or just consume the pot however you like. That's our thing. Um, and I think like I think we've done a good job of it. If y'all don't like it, let us know what needs to be changed. What would you like to have changed? Because we've always taken that feedback as well, and and we'll change. And so it's not like we are set in doing what we do. We've done this for ten years, and we're probably gonna do it for another fifty. And we'll change to what the what the what the consumers want. And uh, we feel like we give a voice to the people that listen to us. So, and that is why Andy hates Kirk Lake. <laughs> <laughs> My guy. Oh, appreciate you. All right, man.